So Money episode 1078, Scott Trench and Mindy Jensen, co-hosts of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. It's interesting when you think, when you zoom out and you say, what's going on right now and why is the market stable? Why aren't real estate prices tanking? What's going on here? What is the deal with the stock market? How is the current recession different than the one we experienced a little over 10 years ago? How to think about real estate, your portfolio. Welcome to So Money, everybody. We are in conversation with two popular personal finance experts. They are the co-hosts of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, which if you know personal finance podcasts, you've probably listened to their show. You might even be a subscriber. Scott Trench and Mindy Jensen are on So Money today, and I look forward to sharing their perspectives and personal experiences related to the current recession and their journey building financial independence. A little more about Scott. He is the CEO and president of BiggerPockets.com, and he has dedicated his entire career to helping everyday Americans build wealth, in part through real estate investing. Mindy is now the community manager for Bigger Pockets. She's helping less experienced individuals learn how to invest. She's spent the last 22 years flipping houses. Mindy and her husband, in fact, are retired. They were actually on So Money a while back as Mr. and Mrs. 1500. You may recognize that name. They started the blog 1500days.com. They were on the show three years ago. How's life been since? Be sure to check out the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. I am going to be a guest on their podcast later this month. We're doing a bit of a swap. So excited to introduce you to them. Here we go. Here's Scott Trench and Mindy Jensen. Mindy Jensen and Scott Trench, Bigger Pockets family. Welcome to So Money. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. I'm a real fan of your podcast, as is the entire country and world. You guys are killing it with your Bigger Pockets Money podcast, hugely popular, where you teach weekly how to earn more, keep more, spend smarter, keep wealth. And I think we've enjoyed interviewing a few of the same people. And now I get the pleasure and honor of learning more from you two. First, welcome to the show. How's everyone doing? How are you both doing in Denver? I'm doing great. It is a beautiful day. And, you know, there's lots of areas to social distance over here in Denver. So I can still get out and get some uh, vitamin D and sunshine. (laughs) Yeah, I'm having a great time over here. And it's a little scary with things starting to pick back up and close back down, I guess. So Mm -hmm. but uh, we're making the best of it. It's a lockdown time part two. Personally, for the two of you individually, what were the immediate impacts of the pandemic on your lives? Some of us moved, some of us switched jobs, some of us lost our jobs. Were there any immediate impacts for the for each of you? My kids were sent home from school. My school shut down. So I went from I have kids in school to now I'm a teacher and I work full time and trying to manage all of that. And that was that was quite a change. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I felt that pain too. Everyone's under one roof now. It's like a lot of screaming in a box. 
Yes, yes. Yeah, Scott, for, how about you? For me, uh, me and my fiance, you know, it's just the two of us. So I think we probably had a relatively less impactful experience with the with the lockdown. Although certainly, you know, we were in self isolation at home for many months. But you know, I, I can't only imagine what it was like to to have kids and and all of that kind of under one roof for a prolonged period of time. So I think very lucky on our end. Financial advice, as you probably have experienced, is having a moment right now. So many people, whether they've lost their jobs or they've had to relocate or they're suffering through this this virus and having to take time away from work and not earning, there is a lot of uh, pull to uh, get the advice. And, and some of the advice that we used to give doesn't apply anymore. I know you've done a number of episodes on your show recently about how to think about things like retirement and home buying and paying down debt in this new context, in this new new normal. What's your biggest piece of advice for your listeners right now? Or what is maybe a new way of thinking that you guys are really addressing and putting out in the world given what is happening? You know, you know, for for us and I think uh, our listeners and, and what we talk about is this concept of financial independence, retire early, moving towards an aggressive position early in life where you're able to, you know, remove dependence on wage income entirely. In, in that pursuit, you know, you have to invest for the long term, and you're planning for events exactly like coronavirus or exactly like the Great Recession or even Great Depression, right? And and the 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 approach that generally speaking, I think Mindy and I share philosophically, you know, prepares you exactly for that context. So that the the baseline advice of spend less, you know, try to get a really high savings rate, 20, 30, 40, 50% over time, and then invest that long term in assets that you plan to hold forever for a very, very long time, like stock market index funds or, you know, real estate in certain markets. And then, you know, attempt to, to drive towards a career that has significant earnings potential. Those fundamentals don't change at all. And, and so I, I haven't done really anything different at all with my money management through this. And, and that's because it's just a part of my long-term approach to plan for events like this and, and move towards that. That said, you know, certainly there's an element of panic and <laughs> and it's tough when the market mm -hmm. starts to crash right away and you're wondering about your job and all those types of things. So, you know, I, I think there was a little bit of talk about maybe shoring up the cash position when this all hit and those types of things. But now a few months into it, I think it's all about what is that sustainable long-term path to steady state wealth accumulation? So Mindy, did I, did I miss anything there, you think? No, I don't think you missed anything. That's kind of, I, I wouldn't have said it quite so eloquently, but I would have said basically the same thing. You know, if if you are in a steady position right now, just stay the course. I think that that is kind of, you know, when the market drops, what, 20,000 points or something, that'll make you kind of freak out. Oh, is it going to go to zero? Am I going to lose all of my, you know, all of my savings? But as we have seen, kind of came back. I mean, are we at the same mm -hmm. levels as we were before? I think we've we've uh, recouped all of our losses. So Since March, right. Right. So, you know, it's terrifying, but the history, like past performance is not indicative of future gains, but, <laughs> you know, the history kind of shows that the market comes back and, you know, that's not, I, I have to say that's not investing advice and, you know, do what you feel like doing, but, you know, don't, on the other hand, don't do what you feel like doing, which is sell everything before it crashes to zero, because I truly believe in the American economy and I, I truly believe it will come back. 
What do you think are the lessons that we will learn, new lessons? In the last recession, I think we learned a few things, which looking at the bright side, what were the learnings? What was the progress that was made? From my end, I think I noticed many more people talking about money in a way that they hadn't before, uh, a lot more permission to talk about your struggles because suddenly you find that you aren't alone. And it's the topic du jour. Everyone's talking about losing their job or falling into debt. And I think it also, the last recession, encouraged people to think about work differently. So rather than investing all your years at one company or thinking that you would even last at one company, how can you diversify your revenue streams? So this idea of the hustle entrepreneur, do you think we're going to have similar kinds of breakthroughs as a result of the current recession slash pandemic, this, this time is a lot harder in many ways. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting when you think, when you zoom out and you say, what's going on right now and why is the market stable? Why aren't real estate prices tanking? What's going on here? And and I think the big story that's happened over the last couple of months that is the unemployment and, and, and the expansion to that and the, and the, um, enormous increase in filings for that. And so right now, a lot of people who have lost work, you know, particularly lower income earners, seem to be on unemployment that's that's providing the same or even, you know, in some, you know, right around that same level of of income uh without, you know, uh, an increase in expenses, maybe even a decrease in expenses in a lot of cases. So, look, I like now now we're getting to ec- e- economics, right? Which is a fun subject for me, and I, it's all speculative, and I'm not an economist, but I, I have fun with this. Um, you know, but you wonder, hey, now, unlike last time, billions and trillions of dollars are truly being tra- transferred from the government to people. To individual people, maybe instead of corporations or to you know banks and increasing the money supply. And so what does that mean? Are we in for inflation over the next couple of years? It certainly seems like the market has priced that in. You know, and, and none of this, of course, changes my long-term outlook personally with money, where I'm going to invest in index funds for the very long term and consistently buy real estate uh, and those types of things. But it does kind of make you wonder about what, what those lessons are going to be. And if I were to bet on one of those lessons, I'd bet it will be that this time around, we're actually truly going to see some inflation over the next three, four, five years, given the, the, the context of this large injection of money right to ordinary Americans in a lot of ways. Well, let's hope wages catch up with that inflation. Otherwise, that's going to be a really, really tough future. Mm -hmm. Speaking of real estate, you're both very passionate about real estate. You've had each of you uh, individual success investing in real estate. Where are the opportunities right now? And, And how should people be thinking about real estate investment? Again, not to be confused with property buying or primary residence, which is a whole other conversation when it comes to returns. If you are specifically looking for a property that will get you rental income or you can flip, you know, what, what, what are you advising? Scott, do you want to take this? Cause I'm sure. actually in a market where I'm a real estate agent and I'm seeing house prices go insane. Yes. People who are not having to move if they just wish to move, which is a different push. People who are moving because they have to are just moving and people who aren't having to move will not move. Therefore, they're not listing their house. Therefore, there's a lot less inventory on the market. But that doesn't mean that there aren't people who have to move. So there's more competition for fewer houses. And it's really, really, really driving up prices. So right now in some of these hotter markets, it might not be the best time to Mm -hmm. be purchasing properties because, you know, like Scott said, 
inflation is coming. You can't write, I don't even remember the numbers, $1.2 trillion worth of checks to the American people and not have to pay the piper eventually. That comes in the in the form of inflation. Yeah, I think I think you know in in recent weeks, you know, I think the Republicans presented like a trillion dollar stimulus, and the Democrats want three trillion. So maybe I'm I'm, I'm oversimplifying, but something, some probably something in the ballpark in between those is going to come through. So you got you got a lot of things going on there. If if you buy my thoughts on inflation, right? Inflation is a transfer of wealth from society to the owners of real estate. It, in one sense, and simple, you know, with or again simplifying things in a large way. So, you know, I, look, I I don't make bets and I don't change my real estate philosophy based on market dynamics. Although I enjoy talking about them, as you can probably tell. Um, but you know, I, I if look, I think that over thirty years, real estate in Denver, Colorado, which is where I live, is going to be priced at a higher level at the end of that period than it is today. I think rents will increase over that time. So nothing changes about my long term approach of. In you know every other year or so, buying property, you know maintaining it at a, at a reasonable operating level, maintaining a responsible amount of debt on those properties, and and cash flowing over the long term. I'm not a flipper. I think a flip in a, for a flipper, the uh, uncertainty of what's going on right now makes that a little bit more difficult in a lot of ways because you know if the government does not act, you wonder if there's going to be a problem in the next three, six, nine months. And I think you really, I think there's a lot of dependency uh, on government action for the stable stabilization of markets. So I think that adds a risk component that gives, you know, would give me pause to think if I was flipping or doing a new build. But if I, the owners of property, homeowners and real estate investors, you know, if, if government intervention continues and, you know, there's any inflation at all, that, that tends to benefit the owners of real property, real you know, homes and, 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 re- and rental property in the, in the, at least in the near term. So that, that would be, is that, is that helpful in answering your yes. question? Yes. And, and to Mindy's point, it's a great time to be selling in some markets. I know in our neighborhood, it's just anecdotally hearing about you know, property down. This street gets 40 bids. It's like a silent auction. You know, uh, people think they're buying a trip to Cancun. It's a house, everybody. Like what, like calm down. I don't understand the exuberance, but I get it. If you were living in a small place with everybody home now under one roof, it's a lot, it's a lot on the mental health. So home is not just where the heart is, it's where your mental sanity is. I think that's showing up. Uh, So it's a great time to be a real estate broker. (laughs) It is. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yes, I I have a lot of clients. I have one client. We wrote five offers before the sixth one was accepted. And that's on five different properties and we were outbid every single time. Wow. Yeah. Now, Mindy, last time you were on So Money, you were you came under the guise of Mr. and Mrs. 1500. You and your husband Carl uh, retired in roughly 1500 days. That's where the, the the name comes from. And so, as part of the fire movement, you both retired in your early 40s. Although you're keeping very busy, you're community manager for Bigger Pockets. You co-host the podcast. So, how have you been the last few years? How's quote unquote retirement going? Well, my retirement's going great. I have this awesome job. Um, My retirement is going great because it's not a retirement. My husband is retired. He was the one who was working when we started the blog. And he had a job that he loved the job, but he hated what he, he loved what he did, but he hated the job. He was allowed to retire kind of because I found this job. And it gave, not allowed, but like it gave him the, 
mental capacity. Yeah, Yeah. The mental space to just be okay with leaving a job. Um, because he grew up with a, his father was an electrician and every year in the, in the wintertime, he would get laid off. That's just kind of what happens in the union. And so there was a lot of money uncertainty as a child. And for him to just walk away from a computer programming job, like who am I to walk away from this money when my dad, you know, kept losing his job all the time as a kid. So he is doing wonderfully. He is far busier than he ever was when he had a job. And it has allowed me to come back into the workforce where I am teaching people about real estate and money. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job of it. And, you know, I really enjoy being able to take what I have and teach what I know. That's, that sounds like a great way to eliminate the stress, I guess, of the wage-based earning where you're constantly, you know, feel like you're hamster on a wheel. You're doing what you love. How do you define retirement, Scott? I mean, are you on this path as well to retire early? You know, I I, uh, I I set out to become phi early in life, and I think I've I've achieved that phi component at this point. Um, I, I'm I'm 29 years old now, but I've uh, I'm kind of in love with my job as well, and so I've accepted the CEO position at Bigger Pockets, and I'm here to stay. <laughs> So uh, I don't think the retirement portion is coming anytime soon. And I just I just enjoy the work and, and talking about the stuff that we're talking about today right here and and, th- and those types of things. So the traditional retirement uh, uh, word is probably not <laughs> on the radar for me in, in the near future. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I will hopefully, you know, assuming that I'm able to be responsible uh, in the coming years, you know, not have to ever accept work that I don't love going forward again in life. Tell us about Bigger Pockets Money, the podcast, but also the business. Bigger Pockets is a huge personal finance destination. Can you kind of walk me through the timeline of that and how it's grown and evolved and where it's headed? Sure. Mindy, do you want to talk about BP Money first and then I'll, I'll, I'll describe the business as a whole? Sure. So Bigger Pockets Money started out because there is a Bigger Pockets real estate podcast. And Scott and I wanted to do the same thing, but for money. The Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast showcases the real estate stories of investors. And we wanted to showcase the money stories of people who are on the path to financial independence. And we try really hard to get stories from all around the, 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 you know, the different starting points. We've got the, um, the couple with a lot of kids. We've got the couple with no kids. We've got the high wage earner, the low wage earner. And we just really want to show everybody that you can achieve financial independence. And here's how this person did it. And I truly believe that everybody can learn something from every single show. Well, great. Yeah. And, and then, you know, Bigger Pockets as a business is designed to help ordinary people, typically, you know, folks in that median to upper middle class income range, that fifty dollars to $200,000 a year income range, buy uh, pro- rental property, largely that they're going to kind of, you know, own and either not maybe either self-operate, self-manage or, or hire a property manager. So, you know, there's this there's this really cool market of single family rental properties, duplexes, triplexes, and quads. And you can buy these properties with 15, 25% down and get a 30 year fixed rate mortgage like you would in buying a house. And that financing is not available to folks that are, you know, institutional buyers, for example. So this entire market of properties is really owned by ordinary folks like, like Mindy and I that have just a handful of properties or rental properties. 
so that that's kind of the this cool avenue. And in order to get into that point, you're, if you're thinking about rental property, you're probably thinking, hey, there's a lot of risks involved or flipping houses. There's a lot of risks involved. I'm going to have to bring to the table a large amount of money to me. You know, Often when folks are buying their first investment, it's a lifetime um, or close to it of accumulated savings outside of retirement accounts and home equity that they're bringing to the table. And so what we do at Bigger Pockets is we help bring investor stories and, you know, the form of podcasts, success stories, not so success stories, books, blog posts, videos, all those different types of things and aggregate the experience of hundreds and thousands of investors so that you can say, okay, that, that approach works for me in, in my market, or I want to go out of state and work in that and go in that market. And I think over the course of dozens or hundreds of hours, you become very comfortable with whether this is the, the right approach for you. So there's an investment of time that I think we at Bigger Pockets help make free and accessible to folks to, mm. to to enter that market. You know, real estate is so fascinating. And as we look ahead, you think about what is the house? What is a home? What is property? It's not just where you previously were eating and sleeping and showering in. Like you're living in your home, you're working in your home, you might be educating your kids now in your home. You're not really moving around as much because of right now with with travel bans and quarantine requirements and all of the things. And so people are moving in with their parents and it's just kind of, I don't know what, how to characterize it. Like the behavior is changing in terms of what a home is. People are investing more in their homes too, like pools and saunas and <laughs> additions and paint jobs. It's like, does that change at all the, as an, inv- from the, through the lens of an investor anything? Um, Cause now we know that people are like behaviorally looking at homes differently. I think that uh, people are looking for more space and having a, you know, if I'm an investor, I have a rental property for someone, a larger property is now going to be more desirable. You know, some in years past, sometimes people would like, you know, oh, there's two of us. So we'll have two bedrooms, ours and a spare, or there's three of us. So we'll just get a two bedroom house and it's ours and then the baby's room. And now I think there's a lot more desire for that uh, fourth bedroom or that office or the entirely separate space, the finished bedroom, or I'm sorry, the finished basement. Um, You know, just being able to space yourself out. Pools, I will still say that landlords should probably not buy houses with pools. (laughs) <laughs> Why <Yeah>. is that? <laughs> Huge liability. Yeah. Yeah. Insurance is, we don't have one, although there were some days this summer where I was like, it would be nice to have a pool, but not worth it. Even as an owner, I feel like in on the East coast, you know, what do you, it's like a three month tops thing that you're going to use. And then you're paying so much all year to maintain it. Yeah, uh, we digress. Uh, but that, you know, I just find it so interesting. It's really cool to have you with on to talk about real estate in this in, in this way. Why don't we shift gears a little bit talking about childhood? Uh, I know you're both also curious about people's financial pasts and upbringings. Are you both from the Colorado area? What tell me a story about growing up and your first money memory that has as an adult stuck around and stayed with you? Oh, my first money memory was uh, going to a garage sale with my dad. This is something that we did literally every Saturday. But I remember going to a garage sale with my dad and I wanted to buy one of those like four foot long pencils or something. It was it was a pencil and it was giant and I thought it would be awesome and it was 10 cents. And my dad said, if you buy that, then you won't have money later 
maybe it was a quarter. You won't have money later to buy something for your mom. And I was like, I don't care. I want to get this pencil so bad. And he was very unhappy with me for wanting to buy this. So the guy at the thrift at the garage sale was like, oh, just take it. It's free. And then I was excited that I had the pencil too. But the level of disappointment that my dad had that I wasn't like managing my money properly has really made me think about purchases going forward almost forever. Like I don't buy a lot of things because what if I don't have money for the next purchase? You know, I, I won't have a purchase. I won't have money for my mom if I buy this giant pencil. So it's not so much the guilt that you're, but it's more the fear you'd say of, of not knowing what the trade-off could be down the road. I think it might be equal parts guilt and fear. Mm-hmm. Nothing like the guilt and fear that the, our parents instill in us for impacting our adulthood. Thanks, mom and dad. But they must be so proud uh, of your achievements. They are. They are very pleased with our um, the the way that I handle money now, and you know the way that I have been able to invest and save. And now they want me to kind of calm down and just take it easy. Scott, how about you? I know that you've been you know studying finance, or I guess economics, business for a while since college, maybe at Vanderbilt. Was that your major? Yeah, actually, I actually majored in economics and history and I minored in finance and corporate strategy. So I'm one of those, I guess, few people that uh, actually does a little bit that uh, of work that is very cl- closely aligned with what I studied uh, at the end of the day. And were you always drawn to this space as a kid? Were you a numbers kid? Did you have a lot of curiosity about money growing up? Uh, you know, honestly, I didn't have a ton of curiosity about money growing up. I was much more, you know, athletics were, were the dominant thing in my childhood and through high school. In, in the summers, my, my first summer where I got a job was 2008. And so that was, you know, obviously not the best time to be applying for a job. And I remember applying to 20 or 30 different jobs. And finally, I got accepted at one, which is all you need. Uh, it was Pier One Imports. So I was opening boxes and, you know, loading uh, couches and, and odd furniture. You know, I got an employee discount that I never used <laughs> uh, on, and those types of things And as a, as a you know, 17 year old high school kid. But the next summer was, I think, really where maybe my, I got some more of my money mindset developed, where I worked for a local real estate investor, uh, the father of one of my friends. And uh, you know, I admired, I, I was, I was, I was impressed. I would go over there and they had the tennis court and the pool that was heated and the hot tub and all the cool video games. And, uh, I actually, you know, learned a little bit about his business with commercial properties that he was developing and flipping. Uh, I would, I, I, one time I was handed a set of like a hundred keys and told to drive to a development an hour away and make sure, figure out which keys <laughs> went to which units, those types of things. And so that was kind of like a varied, uh, experience set that I learned something new every day. Uh, there was physical work, there was mental work, those, those types of things. And I think that, that was kind of something that stuck with me. And I, you know, remembered that when I went into to college and eventually decided on my major and, uh, went into finance later and attracted to real estate. Yeah. And probably demystified what can f- be a bit of a complex thing for many people if they don't have that early exposure and that early onset. That's so cool. I'm thinking I'm going to encourage my son to get an internship in real estate or something <laughs> or, or finance. It's a great way to just, you know, ease your way into the world without a lot of high stakes. Yep. Absolutely. Failure. What is a, is there a recent financial failure you're willing to, you know, admit to something? I mean, obviously nothing huge because I think you're both pretty solvent when it comes to money, but is there like 
a thing that you did that you wish you hadn't bought or we all have these little mistakes along the way. I'm not interested in like the big ones from early on, but anything recent. Within the last maybe four or five years, does that work? Five sure. Years so I, I was interested, you know, I was very interested in stock picking at, at this point. And so I was, I, 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 uh, I thought of myself as a big investor. So I read, I read books like, uh, um, Peter Lynch's one up on wall street, the intelligent investor and those types of things. I, I got ready to go to town. And so I found some Chinese companies, including a Chinese fruit juice company. And how could I lose on this investment? You tell me there, there this company had a hundred million dollars in cash. Sounds like an episode of billions to me, yeah. <laughs> but they had a, they had a hundred million dollars in cash. They had no debt and they had income of like $8 million or something like that. And they were trading at like $80 million, right? So hundred million dollars in cash, no debt. Obviously that's a winner. What the, what the heck's going on? Well, I didn't know that uh, Chinese companies weren't regulated the same way as uh, US companies in, in terms of audited financials and those types of things. And so I ended up losing quite a bit of money on that particular uh, stock buy. That was a no brainer. I just bought a stock, one stock. I don't, I don't stock pick ever. It's the first time in my life I think that I picked a stock and I bought it on an app and I'll tell you what it was. It was Party City. <laughs> mm. I was, this was just a gamble. But I mean, this is how I really think about investing individual in individual stocks. It's a complete game. It's totally a gamble. I don't go to Vegas or Atlantic City. I'm not like a roulette player, but, a, but this was the kind of like, I got, I got a hunch and I, I was at Party City standing in line. I was one of probably 60 people in line on this June day i think everybody was getting all of the balloons for every possible ex, ex, you know uh celebration from father's day to birthdays college graduation high school graduation first grade graduation and it was just off the hook and i'm also thinking like of course you know people can't go out to celebrate so they're going to make the home the place where all the happiness happens and so this woman in front of me had bought $300 worth of tchotchkes for a birthday party and i'm like how much is this party city stock like i'm just i'm curious where is this stock going it was a dollar something a share i looked it up on my phone and i thought okay i'm going to buy $500 worth of party city and just see what happens and it, it was a brutal four weeks since I bought this stock. It's it's very volatile as these tiny stocks are. Just today, it went over $500. <laughs> All right. I have finally made $7.05 on this stock. Because um, I also read that they got a huge cash infusion from an investor to help them pay off their debts. So hopefully now they're playing with a cleaner slate. Parties are recession-proof. People always want to celebrate. Balloons are an easy way to make people happy sort of cheaper way to make people happy. So I don't know. Well, it sounds like that's, you can a, buy a that's my extent. Now. That's me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I made $7. That's great. Well, but if it had gone to zero, can Farnoosh Tarabi take the hit? Yeah. That was all I was, you know, it was really, and I did this with my brother who's really a lot more into following stocks than I am. And we did it together kind of as like a bonding experience. Maybe like we talk, I just texted him the, the screen grab of the $507 that, you know, emoji, 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 like this is, you know, but this is a game a hundred percent. And if I were to lose all of it, then lesson learned the hard way. And, you know, I'm, I'm not planning on cashing out anytime soon. I'm going to maybe revisit this in a few years and see where it's at. Right. I don't need this money. It's not going to make or break my life, but it's more of the experience that is keeping it exciting. 
Yeah. And if you had put $500,000 in there, oh, no. <laughs> maybe that would have been a different. So I think Hopefully there's, there's like another 500 million somewhere. That would have, the only way that would have made sense, <laughs> you know, 0.001% of your net worth is what you should be looking at as far as picking up one stock in your portfolio. That'd be like 10 um, party city stores. Yeah. <laughs> What are you guys spend, spending your money on right now other than the necessities? Are there any I mean I'm I'm thinking about maybe venturing out of my little needs only budget and getting a haircut, an actual ha- nice haircut, but that's also like comes with a whole bag of risk at this point. So, how about you? What what are you thinking of? What are you eyeing right now? You know, I'm just not the right person to ask for this because <laughs> I don't spend a lot of money. My dad's going to be telling me in my in the back of my ear, you know, hey, don't you're not going to have money for the next thing. Or just cry hard enough and then they'll just give it to you for free. That's what I learned from that story. Negotiation. I have been spending more money at the liquor store. Uh-huh. That's yep. after homeschooling. It's a necessity in Colorado. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's a necessity. Or, uh, what is it? It's a uh, essential business. My husband's leaving next week for a week, leaving me with the kids so he can go take care of a family member in Pennsylvania, which is not a quarantine required state. You can come back to New Jersey and he's just staying with his dad for a week. And um, he texted me, bought you a lot of red wine at the liquor store today <laughs> for next week. <laughs> like, I love a husband that can anticipate his wife. True um, love. <laughs> true love. Scott, how about you? I've bought a lot of uh, home gym equipment recently. So I, I've, I have a garage out back and I kind of set up a little little area there. I got some dumbbells. I got some uh, a pull-up structure. I have a, a subscription to Beachbody. I do the, the P90X stuff. And so I, that's been, I think, the big thing you know that I, I started spending on with Corona. And that's in addition to the annual gym membership I have. But you know, I felt like that's, that was worth it for me to set up something there so I could stay healthy and, and fit. Fantastic. Well, so, it was so nice to join you both. And I know that I'll be heading over to Bigger Pockets, your podcast, soon. We're doing a podcast swap. Really honored for that opportunity. Um, but thank you for joining. So nice to reconnect, Mindy. Scott, great to to chat and learn more about you. Best wishes. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. And thank you for having us. I cannot wait to have you on our episode 138, if I can Ooh. plug that, where we are going to grill Farnoosh and get her money story. Can't wait. <laughs> Thanks so much again to my guests, Mindy Jensen and Scott Trench. Check out Bigger Pockets Money, where each week Mindy and Scott interview unique and powerful thought leaders about how to earn more, keep more, spend smarter, and grow wealth. Check them out also at biggerpockets.com. All this information is on somoneypodcast.com. Let me know if you've got a question for our Friday episodes. Submit your question on the website by clicking on Ask Farnoosh or hit me up on Instagram. I'm at Farnoosh Tarabi. Send me a direct message and I'll add your question to a forthcoming episode. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope your day is so money. <laughs>